Bibles to Mark chapter 10, that's where we'll be. There is a lot here, and so um, I have, and I have a lot to say, but I know I only have a certain amount of time to say it in. So we are just going to jump right into our context this morning, starting there in verse 17. Mark 10, verse 17. As we read there, starting in verse 17, Jesus is now heading out on his journey, and he's heading to Jerusalem. We know the end of Mark, and so we know where he's going. He is going to Jerusalem, and it is there that he is going to die, and it is there that he's going to rise again. And as he was setting out on this journey, there is this young man that runs up to him and kneels before him. And what I want you to do is begin to picture this scene that begins to unfold here. This man comes running to catch him before he leaves the area. And we know this man is the rich young ruler. He was successful. He was financially prosperous. He was a ruler of some kind. And he was also young according to Mark in the other gospel accounts. Not only that, but we know him to be moral, right? He was moral. He speaks of keeping the commandments. By all accounts, this is a kind of person that folks would look up to. Moms and dads would say, you know what? You ought to be like that young man. On the surface, he looked really good. He was upright. And not only that, but you also see that not only was he successful and morally upright, but he was also spiritual in some sense of the word because he is seeking out Jesus Christ. He comes seeking Jesus for advice to answer a question. He is running. There's urgency in his legs. He really, really wants to meet Jesus and knows That this opportunity might slip away. We also know from Middle Eastern culture that individuals with status in which this young man had wouldn't be running. They don't run. People with status don't run in the Middle East. But this man is running. And not only is he running, but how does he approach Jesus? He falls at his feet. You certainly won't find the Pharisees falling at the feet of Jesus doing something like this. Not only is he running to Jesus, not only does he fall prostrate before him, but this young man has a question. And it is the question of all questions. It is the greatest question that one could ask. So you need to know right away that this is a real man. This isn't a parable. This man lived. He's real. He's flesh and blood. He has a great question, but he has a very sad response. So let's look first at the great question, verses 17 through 20. You can see it there in verse 17. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? On the surface, this young man had it all. 
But what we pick up concerning his question is though he had everything, there was a great fear that he had. His fear is that he might not know the answer to the question. What am I leaving out, Jesus? He does not know how or what he must do to inherit eternal life. And so you need to know this morning, as Mark's readers, that the issue here in our context is about salvation. It is salvation. Eternal life equals salvation. What must I do to attain salvation? And notice, Jesus, as only Jesus will do, stops him, what? He's dead in his tracks. Right? Notice at the outset of the conversation, Jesus does not ask him to recite a prayer <laughs> or, or make a decision, at least yet. Because as we read this, you're like, everything is setting up perfectly. Like Billy Graham is like, you know, this, this is like, he's got him right where he wants him. But one word turns everything on its head. That word, good. <laughs> See it there? Good, teacher. Good. This young man uses the word very loosely. And Jesus is not going to let him off the hook so easily. And you know when you think about it, the one word by which the world really truly does not understand, it is the word Good. You could go up to anyone in the town of Somerville, on the street of Somerville, you could ask them the question, are you good? Probably 95% of the time, they are going to respond, yes, <laughs> I'm good. When I was in Kansas as an associate pastor, one of the duties that I had is people would call and they would, they would call the church and they, they would want us to help them financially. Can you help me pay my electric bill? I'm, we're way behind. Can you help us? And our response was always, I, I would love to help you. That, that's why we're here. We want to help you. But can I first ask you some questions, right? We always took this as an opportunity. And so one of the things that I always ask those that called me that I did not know is, if you were to die today, and you were just to hypothetically approach the gates of heaven, and Jesus was there and was to ask you, why should I let you in, what would you say? 98% of the time they said, because I'm a good person. Right? I'm good, you're good, we're, we're all good. And Jesus uses this one word with one question and one statement. See the question? Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Why are you just kind of throwing this word around? You use this word to define you and the world in which you live in. 
Why do you call me good? You may not know me. And then he, then he does what? This is what I really want you to see. He defines good. You want to know what the definition of good is? Jesus is about to define it. See it? Look. No one is good except God alone. God alone. No one's good except God. See what Jesus is doing here? Before you can talk about eternal life, before you can talk about heaven, you need to understand that you are not what? Good. Good. (laughs) Right? Good. And that takes all works out of it for this young man because that's what he's about. He's a legalist. He's just checking the boxes. I go to church. I don't steal. I treat my mom and dad, right? That's exactly what plays out. So Jesus just keeps playing this game with him. He keeps playing into the man's heart need of thinking that he's good. You know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't defraud. Honor your mom and dad. And his response as a good legalist is what? I am squeaky good. I've kept all of them from my youth. But Jesus, instead of just pressing, right, instead of pressing here on his issues of sin, in which he's probably broken all of them at one point in his life, is about to get to the real heart of the issue. The one God in his life that he could not dismantle. Which brings us to the sad response. Look at verse 21. Good, great question, sad response. Notice what he does, Jesus does in verse 21. Looking at him, I would circle this next word, loved him. He loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all of your possessions and give to the poor You will have treasure in heaven, and what? Here's the commitment. And come, follow me. Jesus isn't playing any games anymore. He is driving down deep into his heart where there's an idol that needed to be dismantled. And Jesus essentially is saying this, dismantle your idol and come follow me. You want eternal life? Jesus says, first you must what? You got to receive me. Am I worth dismantling your idols this morning? Am I worth your heart? Am I worth your joy? Your home? Your boat? Your football? Right? We can just keep going. The food that you eat, the children that you have. I want to be preeminent in your life, which means what? It's just a fancy word for first. That's what Jesus is doing, that's what he's asking him to do. And for this young man and countless others, millions of others, 
The cost is too great. His face falls a mile. He realizes that this is beyond him. It's beyond me. His love for himself is too great. And his love for others is too weak. He wanted eternal life as an add-on to all of his other gods. And Jesus shows him that this will not do. I won't have it. Because the rest of the New Testament makes it very clear You cannot serve what? You can't serve two masters. You will either serve one and dismantle the other, or vice versa. And brothers and sisters, that's the message here. This is what God has for us this morning. There is a cost to following Christ You've heard the same message just a different way, just a few chapters back, right? And it goes like this. Deny yourself. Can you finish the rest? Pick up your cross and what? Follow me. Same message. It's the same message, but this is now playing out in a real human being. It's essentially what Jesus has said to him. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. And his response was what? I can't do it. And he walks away. The saddest verse in all the Bible. Well, here's some application. This is where we need to apply now what God has for us. Um, What I want you to do this morning, first off, is remember the rich young ruler. You need to remember the rich young ruler. You need to post it above your doorway. Remember the rich young ruler. And this is why. Here's application number one. Selfishness will keep you out of heaven. Selfishness will keep you out of heaven. I believe that's what Jesus means when he says in verse 23, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Right? He's not just picking on rich people. Uh, so don't hear that. That's what we commonly hear, but don't hear that. He's not just picking on rich people. The principle goes like this. The more things of this world that you have, the more these things can put a stranglehold on your heart becoming better than Jesus. Logically, the rich have what? <laughs> they have more. Which means that we have more to be selfish about. And so selfish is in all of us though, isn't it? And so when the disciples ask, then who can be saved? Notice, Jesus does not say, well, it's it's really much easier for the poor. He doesn't say that, does he? He also doesn't say, well, it's really a lot easier if you grew up in a Christian home. He doesn't say that either. We all need liberated from self. 
Which brings us to application point number two. Salvation is impossible with man, but not with God. The disciples knew that it was impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And so they, being astonished by what Jesus is teaching and what he's saying, asked what? (laughs) Then Jesus, how does this work? I mean, then who can be saved? I mean, this guy looked pretty squeaky clean. He looked pretty good. How does this work then? And Jesus' response? It's priceless, and it should be the anthem of our parish here. For all things are possible with God. You know, when it comes to results, when it comes to the things that we wish to see, we know that it all comes from God. Which is why we have a prayer team that meets right over there. Right? They're, they're not over there rolling dice or, you know, lots, casting lots or, you know, rubbing rabbit's feet or, right? They're praying to God because they believe that God can work impossibilities. So whether it comes to marriages in this room or families that are having difficulties in this room or a loved one that needs to come to Christ or lawsuits or direction or wisdom or guidance, we say together, nothing is impossible for you, God. Amen? Amen. Lastly, and this is important as well, following Christ means thinking differently about our money and possessions. You need to know what the rich young ruler didn't know. And it's this, all your money and possessions belong to God. You need to know that this morning. And the way that you think about your possessions and the way that you think about the money in which you have and what you do with each matters to Christ. Peter said it best right here in this context. Right? What did Peter say? We have left everything and followed you. We've left it all. We have denied ourselves. We're following you. And what's Jesus say? You are laying up for yourself treasure in heaven. You are about treasuring Christ above all the riches of this world. And when your life in pursuit of Christ have this radical flavor, there is something beautiful that happens when we pass offering plates. It's not something laborious. It should be something that's joyous. And so you need to also know that God doesn't need your money this morning. But he may be asking, just like he asked the rich young ruler, to dismantle an idol in your life. It may be money and possessions. 
Or it may be something far different this morning. Whatever it is, I pray that you would follow Christ and store up for yourself treasure in heaven where they will what? Not be destroyed.